0: gentlemen may i have your attention please this is it five six seven eight you've got talent let's see what we can do with
1: it you're going to make me believe that you belong on that stage dancing on that show
2: doing what they please butdel the bees are in funny never growing old never feeling cold pulling buts of gold from in there the best never town best shaking down best making mountains of money they can't take it with them but what do they care they get the center of the me to push it down the seat house and welcome feet, folks to
1: sunny. the movie musical shakedown I am your host Chris Peterson founder editor-in-chief onstage blog at onstageblog.com I am really glad ...that you're listening to this week's episode, because this is a personal favorite of mine. Truly, we are doing the iconic 1973 film, Godspell, based, of course, on the amazing musical by Stephen Schwartz. Um, What an incredible story this show had getting to the big screen. I mean, it was created in 1970 premiered in 1971 and by 1973 there was a movie adaptation crazy and then it premiered on on Broadway so uh it's one of the few movie musicals that made it to the to big screen adaptations before it even appeared on Broadway so um crazy 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 but uh I've been putting this off for a while because I've been saving it for a special occasion and I figured now being kind of that that holy season a couple weeks before easter uh it's a good time to kind of dip into some of these religious themed musicals also i mean with everything that's going on in the world right now um with the coronavirus and and just kind of a lot of anxiety and panic and fear and whatnot uh, i figured what better time to look at i guess you could say a musical with an uplifting message than than right now so hopefully listening to this hopefully when you watch godspell or watched it before you listen to this podcast um you walked away a little happier you know that's that's basically what i hope uh you got out of that at the very least so uh nicole is going to join us this week um a lot of you have been writing me feedback saying how much you love it when nicole is on the podcast so given the fact that we're safe at home together with our son uh we're gonna have a lot of time to, to be able to do these podcasts so uh if you've been hoping that we've going to be doing this more regularly. Uh, it's going to happen cuz you know this is what happens when you're you're stuck at home with each other. So we're going to be able to do that uh over the next couple of months is is produce a lot of these. And I know you're all jealous. I I know that you're like, "Man, I wish I could just hang out at the Peterson house and watch movie musicals all day." I mean, that's that's living the dream, right? Come on now. Um but anyway, uh no, we're going to we're going to break it all down. Like I said, I've got a very deep personal connection to this uh piece of theater. Uh it's something it's a show that I did. When I was in college, like a lot of you have And uh, so I will me definitely be talking about Some stories about that And uh, talking about the music, talk about this cast In this film, talk about other casts Of this, of this iconic show So we're going to get into all of it You know, it's, it's going to be a great podcast I can't wait, we're going to take a quick break When I come back, Nicole's going to join us And we're going to break it all down But first, of course, as always, here's the trailer
0: Get ready for Godspell The Gospel according to today. Drink. This is my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. I shall never again drink from the fruit of the vine until I drink it again with you in the kingdom of my father. Godspell, the phenomenal musical entertainment that's been thrilling stage audiences the world over, now spreads its joys to the screen. Spell. Rated G.
1: And we're back, and I am now joined by my wonderful, lovely co-host, Miss Nicole Peterson. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. This, <laughs> by the way, this is take two of this podcast. <laughs> I was getting notes on my volume. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Trying to get you to be a little more energetic, a little louder. I am louder. Not
2: energetic, but we have sleeping kid in the other room i'm just trying not to rock the boat here that's all
1: that's true that's true we want to make sure he sleeps through through the night night. so to speak but um nicole really glad to be doing uh this podcast with you this week yes godspell Uh uh-huh i felt it was time i mean this is one i've been pushing off for quite a while Mm -hmm. and i felt like it was the perfect time to do this movie because Uh, first of all, it's the holy season. So for those of you out there that are Christian and Catholic that are celebrating this this time of year between the beginning of Lent and Easter.
2: So it's really called the holy season?
1: I believe it's called the holy season.
2: (laughs) You're the Catholic one.
1: (laughs) To my knowledge, it's called the holy season. I could be completely wrong. Um... But I, to my recollection of my catechism classes when okay. I, in my youth, this is considered like Lent is the kickoff, and then like Easter Sunday is it's like the big hurrah. Is the yeah? It's okay. the it's the climax, so to speak, of the the entire season. Okay. So, um, and also, you know, let's be honest. It's we're living in this weird.
2: It's very weird
1: time right now with uh, you know COVID nineteen um, spreading all over the world. It, it just and everybody's kind of in this weird state of. Panic, uh, anger, uh, misplaced anger, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and and you know what the world could use some uplifting messages right yes. now. And I think regardless, irregardless of what one believes, I mean you cannot deny that spell is an uplifting.
2: Well, I show. mean I'm proof, but my my religion is uh, I don't know. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's a good my religion belief to have. is who knows what. <laughs> but this musical always makes me feel good. It nice. does, no matter what.
1: So, Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. So, um, this movie came out in 1973. Ooh. Yeah. The uh,
2: spooky year. Sp- why was it a spooky year? that's the same year that The Exorcist came out. Is it really? Yes, it is. And that's why whenever I watch this, I'm always mm-hmm. worried that The Exorcist was being filmed at the same time in New York City and what type of horrible things were happening <laughs> in the ether. <laughs> Well, you
1: know, it, it would be hilarious if this was being filmed in New York City at the same time. It probably was. The God's. It was being probably filmed. being
2: filmed in 72. So, 71, 72. Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: So you've got this movie probably being filmed in Manhattan,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: think The Exorcist was filmed in Queens,
2: Long Brooklyn. Like it
1: was. It was st-
2: in the city. It was in wasn't, the city. Yeah, but
1: it wasn't Manhattan
2: though. I don't remember. It was a studio. Wow. Like all of the studio stuff is like I think
1: filmed. I think it was filmed I think the extras was filmed where Kaufman Studios now is in Brooklyn, which is like right over the bridge. Mm-hmm. So it's funny you got Godspell and Jesus in Manhattan <laughs> and you've got the devil in Brooklyn. <laughs> and you know, nineteen seventy three I guess was the Religion movie year
2: well, because, because Jesus Christ Superstar came Jesus out Christ too, Superstar. and I used to think the same thing. Thank goodness they weren't in New York or something would have exploded.
1: Now you've got two Jesus movies, almost like that that year that Armageddon and Deep Impact came out. So you got two <laughs> meteor meteor Christ. movies, and then you got seventy three was the Jesus yeah. movies. Um, what, you know, Jesus both musical, Jesus musical <laughs> movies, by the way, and and we will be doing Jesus Christ Superstar this yes, year as I well. Yes, I love that one too. Um, but Two, I, I guess you could say, similar movies, mm-hmm. but very different,
2: very different
1: from one another. And we'll talk about this more when we finally do Jesus Christ Superstar on this. But um, it, it just is interesting where you get these two movies based on the on the Bible and set in modern times, if you will. Mm-hmm. And but again, very different, very different. I think inspirations behind the purpose of each musical as well. Right. Um, I always looked at, and I I, I love your thoughts on this. I always looked at Godspell as more of a um, celebration slash uh, investigation into Christianity, the teachings Mm -hmm. of Christianity, and Jesus Christ Superstar being more of a protest of it. What do you think about that?
2: Um, See, and I always viewed it as Godspell being what we want the teachings of Christianity to be. And Jesus Christ Superstar to be what the Christ, the Christian teachings are. Mm. So the dogma that is in Jesus Christ Superstar is missing from God's bell. Mm. And again, but that's coming from someone who has limited Christian
1: experience? background, yeah. experience. Gotcha. i you
2: know, Christianish. Um Right. And never pursued that further. So that's just me seeing it for what it is. Yeah. You know.
1: And also, two very different musical styles. Super between the different.
2: Two.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've got Jesus Christ Superstar, which is this gigantic epic of music mm-hmm. by Andrew Lloyd Webber, and you've got Tim Rice, and it's just this
2: Well, rock- and I think that's part of it, too. Like, yeah. the music feels dogmatic, too, because it's so forceful. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just how many sharps alone. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, it really. I mean, Jesus Christ Superstar to me is a, is a rock opera. Oh, yeah. You know. And. And Godspell always felt like more of a musical, like musical theater.
2: But I think so rock opera versus folk songs.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point.
2: Because this is folk music.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the musical itself. I mean, this was the ultimate student-directed production. I Mm -hmm. mean, it, it literally came to formation. Uh, at Carnegie Mellon University in 1970, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Schwartz, who was a student there, got together with a bunch of his friends and said, "Look, let's do a musical about the parables of mm-hmm. the Book of Saint Matthew." And they created this basically this show out of nothing. It was like you know, not a lot of script, and you're just improvising the whole thing. Go ahead.
2: So, I'm sorry. Question. You no. raised your hand like I, you, <laughs>
1: like I was going to answer you in a classroom, but go ahead.
2: Um, sorry. <laughs> now that I'm a homeschool teacher, <laughs> um. No, so Matthew is a saint? Yes. Interesting. Okay, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Continue. <laughs> um, so I guess you could say, I mean, it's like, folks, if you're in college right now, and or you're about to go to college, and one of your friends says, hey, I'm putting together this musical, do you want to be in it? Say yes. Say yes, because a lot of the cast that was in that original production at Carnegie Mellon was in the off-Broadway production, it was the Toronto production, it was in this movie. There's two Mm -hmm. cast members in this movie that were in the original Carnegie Mellon cast. Um, So between Godspell and, you know, some guy at Wesleyan saying, hey, I'm going to do a musical about Washington Heights, um, (laughs) do it. (laughs) Be in it. Say yes. Uh, Because you never know what it could lead to. Um, This musical has really become, for me, in my opinion, kind of like a rite of passage for actors. And it's like you know, if if you're a musical theater actor, I think at some point everybody has done Godspell in in one way or another. And um, it it is one of those shows that it's it's a staple of colleges, high schools, community theaters. Um, but I think it requires so much of an actor in this. I think it's one of those musicals that truly you have to be an excellent all around performer to be in. I mean, the improv, the dramatic range at some points of this, and you have to be a good singer, and you have to know how to dance. I mean, it really there are there's a lot going on in this show. What do you think about that? Eh. Really?
2: I think the reason this was a college show is because they're using the stuff that you're learning in college, the basi- like the basics, the ABCs mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So, I think as long as you're learning and paying attention that you can you can do this musical. And I think that's why it's done at so many colleges, because it's implementing those building blocks that you're supposed to be learning. Like the theater program that I was in, we learned the basics of improv. We learned like all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why it works at that level so well. And I don't think you're wrong in saying that when done well, it uses all of those things, but I don't think you have to have all of those things to do it. That's a good point. Because you can make the choreography more rudimentary. You can dumb all of that down and still keep the structure of what this is. Mm
1: -hmm. And of course, I say this because I did the show in college. Yes, you did. Um, Just a little personal story about myself. Um, (laughs) This was really one of the first shows I fully directed um, when I was in college. Me and my friends, uh, Kevin, Kristen, Bryce, um, Julie, we kind of all got together and... Formed this like student-directed musical theater company on our college because did we, you see
2: about Jesus?
1: Was that? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to that. <laughs> so um, you left him out. <laughs> and we were frustrated with the lack of musical theater options at our school, so we said, you know, what, let's make a musical theater company. And we ended up doing two shows per year. We would do like this musical review in the fall, and then kind of a main stage production in the spring. And so Godspell was the kickoff of this entire musical theater company so we held auditions we uh casted ourselves a bunch of our friends were in the show um the the concept was we actually set it in a bar which i thought was pretty cool so we we basically had each person in the cast was a different person visiting that bar for a different reason. Were any reason. of
2: you old enough to drink when you said it in the bar? I think
1: two of us were. <laughs> I think to, Adam, I think there was, the, the Adam who was the bartender was mm-hmm. I think a senior or a junior at the time and Veronica who I think was a junior at the time uh, who, who kind of, who had this costume that, I could only describe it as J-Lo's
2: denim one piece suit. I had that denim one piece suit. yeah
1: so that's what we basically dressed her as like she was she was kind of like the um, what do we, we she was like the snob that was like on en route to someplace else but stopped at the bar mm-hmm. and then we had like another girl named Heather who um, she was a jilted bride uh, or a <laughs> deserted bride. she mm-hmm. was drinking our sorrows. Um, we had this girl Kristen, who was definitely playing a lady of the night. Uh, Mm -hmm. who ended up being kind of that Joanne part of singing um, Turn Back Old Man. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin, who ended up playing... uh, judas and john the baptist uh was kind of this traveling music man because he was the only one that could play piano so we were like you know what you're playing this role uh because our friend lee quit the show lee (laughs) thanks a lot for that um and so like you have to play this role and also play the piano at the same time so we had to poor kevin we had to figure out how, how to do this and then of course my friend jake um played uh jesus and he was really into it. Like this was, <laughs> I, mean, I love Jake to death, and this was. Like, he treated this role, like, like actors treat Hamlet. Like it was like, <laughs> it was such a reverence and importance. But I mean, he loved it, and it was great. It was just a great production, and we actually uh, performed it in a student lounge at our school. So we basically taped off the stage. So we had this long, you know, t- uh, row of tape. Uh, of where the stage, quote-unquote, ended and the audience could sit. And I got to tell you, like, we did a, a full weekend, like, f- uh, f- I think we did four performances of it, um, and it was, quote-unquote, sold out
2: every single time. <laughs> All 16 seats All in the student seats.
1: No, I mean, we probably got, I would say we, we were breaking fire code in that lounge. Okay. Like, we probably had over, I would say, over between 70 and 80 people, like, stuffed okay. into the student lounge. And... um and some people came every performance, and, like, it was it was a really cool experience, and it was really uplifting, and it really kind of bonded us to this material. So watching it back tonight, all these memories flooded back of, like, rehearsals and blocking sessions, and at times I got... I remember getting frustrated during certain parts of the rehearsal process and getting frustrated watching the movie. I was like, damn it, that line or, you know, that song, mm-hmm. that was a pain in the ass and things like that, But, um, but... What I found emotional about the movie is what I found emotional about in the in the show itself.
2: Can I tell you something? What's that? I watched this right after we started dating because you told me that I needed to watch Godspell. So I bought the DVD and we watched it together. So this is like my dating, squishy, butterflies-in-stomach Chris movie, which is very weird. Wow. Right.
1: Did you start getting butterflies from me when you were watching this?
2: It made, it made me uh, reminisce a little. I mean, we
1: are, th- what, 14 years yeah, later? Yeah,
2: because it was 2006 Yeah. when we started dating. Wow. Mm-hmm. So
1: the butterflies are still there. That's what you're saying, huh?
2: When I watch Godspell. Oh, <laughs>
1: okay. Well, <laughs> never mind then. Never mind. But um, you know, this is actually a really interesting movie. I mean, it is one of the few movie musicals that was adapted by... Um, from From an off Broadway musical, so it had any, I mean, so they they basically make this thing in 1970, and by 71, 72, it's being performed off Broadway in Toronto, which we'll talk about a little bit later, um, Australia in 1972 at the same time, and then it gets picked up and in and in, in, uh, is made a movie. And there's only really been about a handful of times that's actually happened. Mm -hmm. And, Nicole, I want to ask you, do you know any of the other times that's actually happened? Okay, so. Not a clue. (laughs) um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch.
0: Okay.
1: uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. The Last Five Years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This movie called Lucky Stiff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Mm -hmm. um, Zombie? Hold on. It's called, let me just make sure I get the title of the the thing right. Oh, um, Zombie Prom, excuse me. And finally, The Fantastics with uh, Joey McIntyre. Mm-hmm. So that's those are the only times that I can really think of um, when a you know, movie musical has been adapted after an off Broadway musical. And then after the movie came out, then it went to Broadway, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty interesting. Um, directed by David Green, who actually directed one of the um, episodes of Roots. It's probably his best-known work after Godspell. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a really interesting film. Steven Schwartz. Actually has a cameo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the customer that um, Katie is serving coffee to in the diner at the beginning of the movie. Um, and and yeah, so you got a really interesting kind of mix uh, of, of characters here. But the look of the film, I gotta be honest with you. I, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I love New York in the yes. 1970s. You do. I don't know what it is about. I do too. This era, is it? It's maybe the griminess of the city. Um, maybe it's the opportunity mm-hmm. in a way like if you're a dancer a performer it just it just feels like you had a, maybe a better chance of making it then I don't well, know and
2: I mean some of my favorite movies I mean, the chorus line turning point all of that it's all of that same feeling all, so that, jazz, I mean, yeah, all that jazz I mean
1: Muppets Take Manhattan for me is mm-hmm. that, that era so um, yeah I just love this and strangely even though it takes place in 1973 New York City it feels timeless when you're watching this movie
2: yeah
1: it really does and I love that um However, the sound is weird in this movie. Did you catch it's, this?
2: The sound is grainy. And it's, like, it
1: feels like the whole movie's dubbed. Yeah. It really does. Like, I don't feel like there's a single line in there that was actually, like, recorded on the spot when they were making this movie. I think it all, it all felt like it was recorded, like, dubbed in the studio later on. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, and I don't know, this is an old DVD, though. This is a DVD from 2006, so maybe yeah. that might be part of it, but...
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you have for general
2: thoughts? Um, so, I always thought John the Baptist was kind of cute, but he had weird eyes and looked like a cartoon lion. Like, doesn't <laughs> he look like a cartoon lion? David Haskell.
1: Rest in peace, David Haskell. Uh, but yes.
2: Um, the music makes me happy. hmm So, um, how did they empty out New York City?
1: See, this is, this is a interesting thing to, to ask about. And that's actually, you know what, I wish you had asked that during Lingering Questions, but
2: well we can pause it
1: we can pause it put it
2: in lingering questions put it in
1: lingering questions cuz yes. yeah i had the same question okay um
2: um so it's going you can tell so many of them are improv actors mm. because all it's yes and is written all over this yeah like um and there's so much skipping mhm <laughs> that's, those are my general thoughts A lot of skipping around it's the city So much skipping I
1: guess that was what you did in the early 70s Was a lot of skipping But yeah, no, to your point about improv I mean, there's when they're, when they're acting out these parables
2: mm-hmm. it,
1: it is just pure improv yep. um, from, from pantomime to being creative with props And mm-hmm. things like that I mean, it is all over the place So that's why I think when you're Anybody who's directing this show Or is about to direct this show I think your first couple of rehearsals Have to be improv games you have to have a cast or you have to cast people with experience in have, yeah, experience and things like that so absolutely absolutely I also appreciate the simplicity of this film I mean mm-hmm. there weren't there weren't a lot of cinematic camera tricks everything's very practical all yeah. the props are very realistic mm-hmm. um, and everything's done really simply I mean you know that scene where you' you've got Lazarus and you got the person you know that mm-hmm. Abraham uh, in heaven and someone else is yep. in Hades it's done very simply yeah um, and I just I really just love uh, love that simplicity and that practicality of the, of the way the movie was shot
2: mm-hmm. all together
1: so anything else before we move on to our categories
2: uh no I just again I always enjoy it but watching movies about the crucifixion always leave me with like the heebie-jeebies after mm-hmm. so I'm in still in like heebie-jeebie land a little bit okay nice
1: yeah, I like it. Um, so, one category we're going to start to add to this podcast is is one that we really do talk about the cast
2: because mm-hmm.
1: uh, I don't feel like in the past we we talk about the cast themselves in this movie. So let's just kick it off by, with Victor Garber playing yes. Jesus. Um, what are your thoughts on Victor Garber in general in this movie? Give me everything.
2: Um, so I first was introduced to Victor Garber in Titanic. So really, that
1: was your first Victor Garber yeah experience. Wow.
2: But, you know, when Titanic came out, was that 97 or 98? Uh,
1: 96.
2: 96. I was 11. Wow. So (laughs) I wouldn't have seen a lot of his other work at Mm -hmm. that point. Um, But so when I went to see this, I was like, oh, hey, Titanic guy. And, uh, yeah, I think he has a nice voice. I think he's a fabulous actor. I just am so curious, though, as to how he developed his version of this character because it's so iconic. It's yeah. what everyone else has copied since. So I, I'm interested to know how he built it because it is very... I mean, it is the iconic role, mm-hmm. you
1: know. Absolutely. I mean, would the, would you say this is his iconic role, almost? Yeah. I mean, I some people might say Alias because he was on Alias. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, my first... Victor Garber' experience was actually the first Wives' Club. He plays. Oh, um, I wasn't
2: allowed to see that movie when it came out.
1: Gotcha. He plays. <laughs> I think it's Goldie Hawn's ex husband in that movie, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the first like, oh, that Vic, that guy.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I saw him in Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, he plays Rita Wilson's husband.
2: Oh yes, there. I forgot he was in that. So scene. like,
1: that's that's what I love about Victor Garber. Is he always just shows up in things that I love. Yes. And here he is, and this is like really the the role that made him in, in a way. Um, he was in that original cast, uh, in the Toronto cast, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk about a little bit later. But, um, yeah, no, incredible, great performance. And his costume, that, that costume... iconic. Iconic. It is one of the most iconic costumes, I think,
2: mm-hmm. in musical theater. Yeah. And again, how did they come up with that? I'm yeah. very curious as to where the development of that character came from.
1: Right, right. Uh, David Haskell playing... John the Baptist mm-hmm. and Judas, your lion, if you will. Yes. Um, he was in the original Off-Broadway cast. Mm-hmm. Great performance. Um, yes. He has a
2: beautiful voice.
1: Beautiful voice. I think that role, just like perhaps like the leading player in Pippin, mm-hmm. which is also a Stephen Schwartz show, if right. you imagine, um, it relies on so much charisma and range. Yes. it really. If you don't have a good actor in that role, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, you have to have that charisma, especially during um, "All for the Best," which is one of my favorite songs. Yes, ever. I
2: love "All for the Best," but also just even in the opening scene, he is the only person in the opening, right? So you have to be able to hold an audience's attention.
1: And that number is, the, I think, it, it really sets the, the tone for the show. Mm-hmm. And you have to have almost a reason of why this person is saying saying that, mm-hmm. and and then of course baptizing. All these people. By right. the way, the way we did in the show is the, Kevin reached behind the bar and took like the the water that was like Ew, yeah it wasn't bar water. bar water it wasn't it wasn't good the way that we did it but um yeah no it it was it was it was you know you need to have that that really good actor especially in, in Act Two when he he makes that switch to Judas um, which I think is a brilliant move mm-hmm. on Scorch's part to have the same person playing. That yes. those two roles because you see that the conflict of Judas having to turn in you know well not friend. only
2: that we get to know I think if he started as Judas we would already come in disliking that character mm-hmm. and starting as John lets us fall in love with him the way that Jesus trusted him and loved him as a friend so to see him turn hurts us now just as much instead of us already coming in with that wall up
1: right Right. Um, other amazing cast, Lynn Thigpen, who is one yes. of my favorite people on the face of the planet. Um, she uh, was also, you know, most famously, she was the chief in Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, mm-hmm. and that's where I knew her from. Uh, but then I saw her in The Warriors, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. She plays the radio <laughs> disc jockey yes, host. Yes, I love
2: that movie. How could we you? We watched not? it like just last year, though, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, we should watch it every year. That's true. We but, should.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Rest again. Rest in peace, Linthegan. Gone way too soon. Um, amazing actress. And then you've got a lot of these actors, like um, you know Robin Lamont, who has basically been in almost every version of this show. You've got mm-hmm. um, uh, Gilmer McCormick in this as well. I mean, she actually went. She was nominated for a Drama Desk for that role in Hospital. Really? Yeah. So I mean, you've got some some really talented individuals. Not a lot of them did a lot after this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I looked at a lot of their IMDb credits. Like, a lot of them had, like, you know, between probably three and five credits after this. I mean, David Haskell and Victor Garber, obviously, I think, are the most successful. Right. Um, But, um, yeah, no, it it was interesting that they didn't do um, a lot after that. But let's get into the the other categories, starting off with Dusty Room Moments. Now, we all know with some of these movie musicals, you know there, there are some emotional high points in these shows. It makes the the goosebumps, the the lumps in the back of your throat. The eyes might start to water a little bit. So Nicole, let me ask you: Did you have any Dusty Room moments Only with one. Godspell? Which one?
2: Uh, I love Beautiful City. That yeah. song always gets me in my feelings, and I absolutely love it. And
1: what is it about that song that gets you in the feelings?
2: Um, because I think it's talking about community, mm-hmm. and. I feel like so much of even the music from this show is about right and wrong and right and wrong and it, all of that. But this song is about coming together and it always just gives me goosebumps, even the fast version, though I love the revival version. The 2011 That's, It's my Broadway revival. Yes. Yeah. Um, that totally makes me cry every time I hear it, but I love that song.
1: Absolutely. So. Which if you had to pick one to listen to right now, this version or the 2011 version? Well, we
2: just heard this version because we just watched it. So I would pick the 2011. Okay,
1: Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, for me, I, it was weird. Like, even though, like, I had a lot of, I guess you could say, like, emotional moments of me remembering my involvement with this show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I nothing in the movie this time around really made me emotional. But I will say, like, when I first saw this movie, the very first time I saw this movie, um, like, All Good Gifts... Um, by my side, the crucifix. I found myself like almost getting teary-eyed at a lot of these. So, points.
2: is it because you felt a connection to the music and the performance, or is it because you felt a connection to your faith? It's a
1: good question. Um, I think it was probably more of the latter at that time. You know, this is this is me like junior year of college. Yeah, junior year of college, and this is like the height of my exploration in christianity at that point Mm -hmm. um so yeah i probably a little bit of that because Mm -hmm. i was kind of in that that mode but i just loved the way that they kind of presented these parables and this relationship with jesus and you know it's it's been well documented that you know stephen schwartz wanted to try to explore the companionship that you know, Jesus and his followers, and st- so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, rather than being this vengeful, you know, venerable right. you know, presence. It was more of a friend. Things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what made me, you know, think, emotional all the time yeah. watching it. Not so much now, for those reasons, but mm-hmm. like, different reasons now, which I thought was pretty interesting. How about any yeesh moments, Nicole, for you in this um, movie?
2: Two things that really cannot be helped and are just timely issues... One was an actual quote from the Bible that just made me go cringy, which was when he was talking about um, heathens and synagogues. And I was like, yeesh, no, thanks. Uh, Don't Mm -hmm. like that. But again, you know, that's how many hundreds of years old. Can't change it. Right. Um, And then I didn't love the Abraham Native American headdress costume. But again, it was 1973.
1: So. Yeah. And I think, again, I think they were just grabbing, I think it was just a prop.
2: Oh, no, I'm sure. I don't think it was meant in any harm, but at the same time, shouldn't wear a headdress if, you know.
1: That's true. I mean, for me. So, the yeesh about this movie, and I think the big yeesh about this movie, and I think also about Jesus Christ Superstar, at least in the time and the way that these two movies were designed at the time, was with that kind of hippie Mm -hmm. style and influence where you know i've 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 read this from one person it's basically said look if you if you're someone that believes that religions are you know bs or, or cults mm-hmm. basically you can turn to this movie and say look you know look the, you know this very cultish oh, see, with the, the flower power and the hippies and things like that. that and i think i don't think it's 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 weird because i think it's a fair point in the way it's designed but also at the same time it's like no it's the Bible, and whatever. And see,
2: I always thought the opposite, that it was young people saying you can find faith away from all of those, you know, away from materialism, which, I mean, is the point. Right. But, you know, hippies were finding joy away from materialism. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was why that was stylized that yeah, way. Just
1: just, but then, you know, I, I just started thinking, okay, so this move, this musical was written a year after the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. So cults Hippies, flower power, all that stuff is at a kind of an all-time high right. at this point. And then you present this show, which really looks at Christianity from almost from from just from the blind eye, a mm-hmm. hippie style. One could say, you know, they're trying to, or not the the, the show is trying to, but you can make that connection, if right. you will. So that was.
2: But whereas in Jesus Christ Superstar, they literally arrive in a caravan,
1: right? Exactly. Which is a totally- so. I think Jesus Christ Superstar is a little bit further in that yeah. regard. But yeah, this movie. Like there are moments where, like, you've got just the way that the, you know, followers are kind of like, you know, the master talk and all that stuff. just mm-hmm. like, yeah, wow, well, yeah, that does kind of feel like, it, just the way it looks and is designed right? is kind of culty in a way. But well, we you know how that. I feel about exactly. that. <laughs> um, and you know what's funny? The other yeesh thing I had about this movie was um, when you look at, the you know, and, and you mentioned this before, the, the empty streets of New York. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be very like Ew, Wow, that's a kind of a weird thing yeah. to see. This being March 28th, 2020, it's actually kind of the norm.
2: It's really weird.
1: And it's very weird when you look at pictures of New York City today mm-hmm. and they're empty. Like 5th, yep. I mean, I saw a picture of a friend took of mine, uh, a friend of mine, friend of mine took of 5th Avenue mm-hmm. looking from Grand Central down and it is there's nobody on the street. Right. Um
2: well, good job, New Yorkers, for staying inside. Yes, yes. Good job. So, just
1: it was one of those. As I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look so weird right now. When you're thinking about what's going on in the world, so, right. so I'm hoping that all of you are staying in and, and listening safe to this and podcast. Healthy. And for <laughs> those of you who are essential workers are healthcare workers um, that are, have to go out and work and and, mm-hmm. and provide these important services thank you. Yes. Can't thank you enough. I would give you a two minute ovation like everybody's been doing on this podcast, but that would be very obnoxious to just clap
2: for two uh, minutes on a podcast. Right.
1: <laughs> but Please know that uh, we definitely appreciate everything um, that you're doing. So mm-hmm. it's not a yeesh, you know, necessarily, but it just, it just felt very weird to yeah. watch that. Um,
2: and Well, it's the same when I see the Twin Towers.
1: Right. Like, just that. How the World's Trade Center is very much in there, and and mm-hmm. it's also weird that you're seeing it when it's not even finished yet. Yeah. So and then it's it just yeah all for the best all that stuff is up there. So yeah, there was, it was it was a little weird on that end. But, um, all right. Well, let's throw some casting what ifs at you real quick. Okay. So. I couldn't find any like you know casting like these people auditioned and they didn't get in. And this cast was kind of put together and then they just started filming. But we got to talk about that 1972 Toronto yes. cast. Because it, at this point, it is a fabled cast. Yes. It is legendary for who was in it. Um, and I think what makes it even more legendary is you can't find anything
2: oh, on it. What to, I wouldn't give to see a film of that right. production.
1: So the 1972 Toronto production included, in terms of its cast, Victor Garber playing Jesus, but also Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin... Gilda Radner, Dave Thomas, Martin Short, and then Katherine O'Hara replaced Gilda Radner when she left to go do a show called Saturday Night Live. So um, you've got this whole cast, top to bottom, of legends. I mm-hmm. mean, it is a Hall of Fame from top to bottom type of cast. Um, I, I, there's The only clip I could find online, a video, is a quick like 15-second clip of, of Martin Short doing, like, a solo.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: all I could find. There's no recordings. There's no... There's nothing. Um, uh, so let me ask you this, Nicole. Yes. Would this movie have been better with the Toronto cast in it?
2: So part of me says yes, only because it would have been a really amazing snapshot of that point in their careers, because I think everyone... Loves those people. I mean, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I love Martin Short. You know I love Martin Short. Hey, I get it. <laughs> um, so I think for that reason, it would have been amazing to see them in it, but then it wouldn't have been such a mystery either, so...
1: And we might not have gotten, you know, SCTV. Right, So That's also who, true. who knows? But, um, yeah, no, part of me is, like, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, ugh, I would love to have seen that Toronto cast mm-hmm. um, in there. And plus, just to see, like... Because these characters were their actual names, just to mm-hmm. see a program where it's like Eugene Gilda, you know right. Martin, you know Dave Thomas of all people. I mean that's crazy. So amazing, amazing on that end. All right, well let's start getting into uh, rating the singing. Wait, the... did
2: we do lingering questions? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Later?
1: Lingering questions. Let's do it. Let's get into. I it. have
2: lots of them. I apologize. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, um, what was with the hand puppet?
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think that was just her quirk, her prop.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Why do lawyers get such a bad rap in the Bible?
1: <laughs> so you're talking about like the Pharisees? "Last for You" song. Yes, last, I mean, last. really, getting into lawyers. Yeah.
2: There are some lawyers who are doing nice things out there.
1: Well, what do you call a bunch of lawyers at the bottom of the sea, Nicole? Uh. A good start. Huh, huh, huh. That's not nice. I know. Uh, it's a very classic law jerk. I don't know why lawyers, maybe that's why, maybe that was the first
2: maybe, maybe bad rap.
1: Ugh, and it so, every, ibs, so
2: it really should be, alas, Pharisees and Pharisees. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know how good of a song that is.
2: I mean, how alas, good alas, of a song? Alas, for you, Pharisees, Pharisees, Pharisees. and Pharisees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, here's a lingering question I had. So at the beginning, when they they all get in the fountain and they all leave the fountain to run yes. off and get changed, I guess, um, everybody kind of like starts ditching clothing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Robin throws her purse in the trash. Yes. Now I didn't understand that. She looks at her purse and was like, "Nah, don't need it." Throws it in the trash. I'm like, "Okay, but I get that you're you know you're leaving behind maybe your possessions mm-hmm. to go frolic for a day, but that has your ID. It probably <laughs> has your apartment keys." it you know when the day is over you you, you know you but kinda, maybe
2: she's just never going back maybe she's just traveling with the word of god from then on i don't i just
1: like i, I understood a lot of people like saying yeah i don't need my tutu anymore i don't need mm-hmm. this portfolio bag i'm gonna throw it all away your purse with your wallet your but identification she also
2: used it to dump water on people so most likely her wallet is in the bottom of the fountain
1: oh maybe that's true <laughs> that's maybe true maybe it's already too far maybe, gone yeah maybe she looks at it as like no, everything's out yeah. never mind alright that's a good question uh, and then sure question how were how did they ab- how were they able to empty out the city yes the way they are and by the way this movie was filmed in a 1.3 million dollar budget so, so I'm gonna I'm willing to bet I'm willing to bet a million of it went towards traffic control yes uh, I'm also willing to bet that a lot of this stuff is probably done in very few takes yeah because I probably I think at least that scene on 5th Avenue they probably gave them an hour to do that right um, so crazy, yeah, crazy,
2: um so what was oh how far do you think they covered on their walk? They took a long walk that day,
1: so they definitely walked, so w- that that first scene mm-hmm. uh takes place under the Randall Bridge, which is down kind of I would say it's like in the twenties, I mm-hmm. think I think it's like in the twenties, which connects Manhattan to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. so I, I believe that's what it is, um. And so they definitely walk from there to Midtown, mm-hmm. which, to so Central Park, which is not terribly far. I mean, I I haven't done it myself, but I've driven it, and it's mm-hmm. not terribly far. It's, you know, But then 20 they blocks. cover
2: all, most of Central Park.
1: Cover most of Central Park. They definitely, but then they go down towards the lower west side to where the piers are and the mm-hmm. docks. So they probably, they probably do a U of, of right. Manhattan. Yeah. That's
2: the that's that's big walk. That's
1: a long walk. Um... We should. Do, there should be like a god spell walking tour. Do you think that would? But you like, have to
2: skip the whole time.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or be on roller, and one of you has to be on, on roller skates. because <laughs> uh, that might kill some people. I yes. don't know. Um.
2: So, what was the meaning of removing the makeup before the Last Supper? Is it just about washing yourself or cleansing yourself, or is it, that could he, be it. Or is he taking away his blessings? Uh
1: I think it's the former. Of what okay. you just said, yeah, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I have no idea. I we didn't do that.
2: You went to like you went to catechism.
1: I know. Like
2: you should know these things. I really
1: should, and I am. I am. Well, you know what? I'm sure there's a number of listeners that do know the answer to that.
2: So write um, in. I folks. didn't. We
1: didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't do that in our production. So there. okay.
2: Those are my lingering those questions. Those are your lingering
1: questions? Okay, perfect. Or let's get into the rating, the singing, the dancing, the acting, and design. Because, of course, those are four areas that really need to be firing on mm-hmm. all cylinders for it to truly be a magnificent movie musical. So let's start with the singing, Nicole. What would you yes. rate the singing one through ten on this?
2: Um, well, I have two scores.
1: Whoa, One okay. is
2: for the singing, and one is for the music and orchestration.
1: That's not really a category, though.
2: I don't care. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so singing, seven. It was Mm -hmm. good. And I think there were a few standout singers, but the ensemble as a whole, they were good together. Uh, But the music itself in the orchestration is 10 because... Music does sound
1: good. The music
2: sounds great. And also I was just listening, because I know all of the actual songs, but I was trying to listen really hard when they weren't singing and Mm -hmm. they were just talking through the fables. And the background is linked song to song I mean, just exquisitely. It's just amazing. I mean, you can hear three or four different songs that haven't even come yet that are in the background of one of the Parabels. Like, Mm. it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I give it a seven as well. I think for the same reasons. I think it's, Mm -hmm. there are good singers and there is not so good singers. And it's a very early 1970s type of movie musical Mm -hmm. casting. I think with a lot of other ones that were made around this era. Like like, Hair. Like Hair, Tommy... um, You know, even later on with a chorus line, you're not getting these booming, you know, voices, so to speak, like like you did in 2011. Mm -hmm. It's a very of-the-time type of of musical, so, yeah. How about the dancing?
2: Okay. Um, Same thing, Seven. Mm -hmm. It fits. Uh, Nobody really stands out, but also... Not even
1: Joanne, who's the ballerina?
2: I mean, she... I, I actually her partner stood out to me more
1: okay so okay. and
2: he and he'll come up again later okay good to um, know. but you know I thought they they all matched again they were a good ensemble okay that's really what my thought is.
1: Yeah I give it an eight just because I felt like none of them were really with the exception of probably Joanne were like seriously trained dancers at like least none of them came off of that way right um, And I felt like the choreography and I wish I had written down who the choreographer was I thought, fit well enough where no one looked like they were completely out of place i mean actually at some points victor garber looked like he was out of place
2: well i think he had trouble with his shoes because at one point they were dance in um all for the best they were dancing on a ledge and he kept which is very dangerous wobbling
1: yes wait on you're talking about by the pool area
2: uh no in the very beginning when they were doing the side to sidewalks oh yes um Mm -hmm. he almost tripped right before they all jumped down
1: gotcha well, I'm glad he wasn't tripping on the, when they were up on the, sc- the scaffolding. The scaffolding, I know. Good Lord. Good Lord.
2: In case you don't know, Christopher has a fear of heights. Oh, my God. And this movie sets him on edge. <laughs> oh, my God. That whole number.
1: That whole number. Um, how about the acting in this movie?
2: Um, the acting, I also gave a seven. Wow. Um, low for you. It is. Uh, it's not a style of acting that I love.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I tend to like more... You know, straightforward traditional performances for acting, but I understand why it was used. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone did it poorly. I actually think this particular style, they all did well. So
1: Mm -hmm. I gave it a 10. And the reason, really, yeah, I gave it a 10.
2: Wait a minute. So, how many musicals have we watched that you were like, meh, it's a six, and you gave this one a 10?
1: I gave this one a 10 because of what I said earlier, where you you for this to truly be successful you have to have a lot of talents and talent with improv talent with movement talent with voice acting um and then in act two you got to flip that switch to more dramatic moments and so like especially during by my side you know be on, uh, on the willows like those songs you truly can see a lot of these more dramatic performances david haskell You know, when when, um, they're talking about, like, you know, when when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they're all saying, is it going to be me? Is it going to be me? And then David Haskell Mm -hmm. says, is it me? And there's that pause there. Mm -hmm. And you can just see the look on his face flip. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, there was things there. I'm like, okay, that was great. Um, There were great moments. And I think, even though the movie is, is, I think, 99.9% dubbed, and I think some of the voice Work they changed for the recording, especially yeah. the high pitch and low pitch stuff that they were doing. I still give them credit for trying it right. and doing things. So, yeah, I gave it a 10.
2: Interesting. Yeah,
1: crazy. Um, how about the design of this movie? 10. You gave
2: it a 10. I did. Wow. Uh, because, again, the design of the sets, there were no sets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the I mean, very few except New York City. New York City Is was the background. Yeah. So, um, but for costumes, I mean, again, those are iconic costumes. When you think of Godspell, you think of Victor Garber in his suspenders. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the way it is. So, um, oh, hold on. Hold the phone. Lingering question. Yeah. What was with the clown makeup?
1: That's a good question.
2: Was it in any of the stage direction when you directed it? No. So it was just a design choice. I, I
1: think it's just that that's what they did in the original production and they did it in the movie. I think there's a a meaning behind it. I think for each person, what he drew on their face is symbolic. No, I I meant his specifically. Oh, I don't know. I couldn't tell you.
2: (laughs) I honestly... But again, another design thing. Yeah. Makeup that just makes that character, so... Mm -hmm.
1: Right, right. Um, Yeah, I gave it an eight, the design. And not because... I mean, obviously, like I said before, I love New York City. But I think with some of the locales they could have chosen better ones. Mm-hmm. So that parable that takes place inside the Cherry Lane Theater, mm-hmm. probably not needed. I mean, I know why they're in there because it's one of the, I think that's, I believe that's where the show was played off Broadway. I think okay. it was at the Cherry Lane, so I get the some symbolism of it. But, um, yeah, there was just a couple of locales. I'm like, hey, you probably could have picked it. It's New York City. I mean, if, right. if New York City is your playground, you probably could have picked a better spot to do mm-hmm. that. I think Turn Back, Old Man in the Carnegie Mansion, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think you could have probably. I mean, if you had done that in a emptied out Ritz Carlton or right. in the Plaza, which I don't was the Plaza open then? I think it was. Um, yeah, I think you could have probably picked some better locales for some of these things. That's why. But other than that, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, let's give out some awards, Nicole. Okay. Let's do it. Any now, are you familiar with the songs that they cut from the original stage production for this?
2: Um vaguely okay. I have for a long time I listened to the original Broadway cast recording mm mm-hmm. um, however it's been like at least 10 years since I listened to it okay. so
1: so they they did end up cutting two songs mm-hmm. uh, one of which I thought was needed which is called we Beseech Thee, which is a really fun
2: oh my goodness yeah okay so something silly. Mm-hmm. I was singing that in my head while we were watching the movie and I just assumed that I wasn't paying close attention enough and I missed it. But they cut it out. They
1: cut it. Yeah, it's a really fun song. I love that song. song. How yeah. did I
2: not realize it wasn't in this? I was maybe it's cuz I was singing it to myself. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and it's
1: I think it's a needed song. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a fun song.
2: High energy. High
1: energy. Um yeah. So I thought that was a missed yes. opportunity. Um how about numbers that we could do without? Would you have cut anything from this
2: movie? um lawyers and pharisees so alas
1: for you yeah Yeah. alas
2: for you i i mean
1: it's a weird song
2: it's a weird song and i also think that the weight of that confrontation that they have right before Mm -hmm. could have been handled in a different way okay without that song
1: i agree i think it wasn't the song i picked but i think I, i i agree where you're coming from i've always felt that is there a song needed there? Like, do we need a song for
2: that? I don't think we do. Yeah. I think the like the fact that he is acting aggressively mm-hmm. is its own moment. I don't think it needs a song.
1: For me, I picked "On the Willows" as the song we could do without, mm-hmm. and I've always felt that way. I never liked that song. I always felt it was kind of churchy. Like it. Mm-hmm. Of all these songs that felt like. Okay, they would sing. This would be like a boring song they would sing in church. On the Willows always comes up to me.
2: And see, I always thought that felt the most folky. Like, that's what you would sing if you were, like, when you used to try and serenade me. <laughs> like, you would pick a song like that.
1: <laughs> I would. I
2: would. Um, how about
1: numbers that you're going to fast forward to? Anything that you're going to do directly?
2: Um, I love All for the Best. Mm-hmm. Oh and um, oh my goodness, the one that L- Lynn Thigpen sings.
1: So, oh, bless the Lord. Bless the
2: Lord. Those mm-hmm. two are my favorites.
1: Good Lord, that was a number to a beast to choreograph. I'll put it that way. When we did it, hats off to Kristen Feeney, by the way, for, for choreographing that show because that that was a challenge. <laughs> that was a challenging number. Um, for me, numbers that I'm gonna fast forward to probably by my side. Because it just it, it, it for me it's that symbolic flip of the mm-hmm. show and then you get to really see some really cool moments. Also, just I love it's a the way that they recorded it here in the for the movie It's just very haunting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I love the way that the, the background vocals are. I mean, just everything about that song is great. And Katie, um, who is singing the lead in that, is is incredible. Mm-hmm. On that end. So, um, so there you go. How about your Julie Award?
2: Um, I have a tie between Ooh. David Haskell and Lynn Thigpen.
1: Wow. Okay. Those are good good choices. Mm-hmm. Um, flip a coin, or, you know, which one did you have to
2: pick? Because uh, he starts the show, the show, the film, uh, David Haskell, David I think. David Haskell. Yeah. No.
1: For me, I, I gave it to Meryl Jackson, who plays, well, Meryl. Uh, yeah. And yes. uh, he sings, you know, All Good Gifts. Mm-hmm. Really hits that high note at the end. Yeah. Um, and uh, sadly passed away at the age of 38. So mm-hmm. very, very sad uh, on that end. But yeah, I'm going to give it to him. How about your Russell Crowe for this? Which goes to, by um, the way, either the worst or least great singer of this movie.
2: And I don't... This is hard for me to say because I don't know if it was an act or a voice that she was putting on. Or if that's her actual voice. Because she uses different accents every time she says a line. But Gilmer McCormick... Mm. The one time she sings by herself, I didn't know if it was put upon or not, but it just doesn't, yeah. it wasn't as strong as the other people she was singing around.
1: For me, it was Robin Lamont. Yeah. Um, that She hits my Russell Crowe. Just because it's just very, again, um, I think she works as a character singer because she's doing a lot of like, oh, hey, yo, yo, boy, yeah. yo, boy, hey. Um, But when she starts singing, she tries to do like a serious sound of singing, especially during Day to by Day.
2: See, it, I liked sh- her voice. Uh,
1: yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I
2: liked I've it. I've never felt but it. But again, I knew that song as a pop song before. Day from by this, Day. Yeah, as, But day, I, knew, oh, yeah. Stop. I knew it as a pop song before I knew it was from this musical. Oh, okay. Well,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I just I just wasn't feeling it. Um, How about your bumlet award? Any bumlets for this movie? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Dancer Daniel Levins.
1: There you go. Now, what, what is his significance to he, you? He...
2: Well, one, he was a professional ballet dancer, but he was in A Turning Point. Another good movie. I love that movie. Which we might
1: have to do on this podcast.
2: I would love to do this movie. Well, only if you're going to be nice, because you know how much I love that movie. And I love Tom Skerritt in that movie so much. Tom Skerritt is not in Godspell, so we're going to leave that conversation for another day. Please do.
1: (laughs) Because I know you could talk about Turning Point for like...
2: Hours. Hours. Is Anne Bancroft in that movie? Yes. Okay. She's Louise.
1: All right, so we'll have to do, we'll have to do Turning Point. Are there musical numbers in Turning Point, though? Like that we it's all really... ballet. Oh,
2: no. Oh, don't say all.
1: If it's on center stage, then I'm not doing... Oh, stop anyway, it.
2: Um,
1: for me, my bumlet is going to go to John Michael Te... Te... Teblack. Teblac? He was one of the screenwriters, but he also did the voice of the Pharisee.
2: Oh. <laughs> Which I thought
1: was pretty creepy. When, yeah, it was yeah, very creepy. Very creepily done. So, good choice. Also, it was surprising they just didn't use an actor, right. one of the actors for that. But, again, further proof that they dubbed this movie. Yes, later after. In the um, final question for you, Nicole. Yes. Should this get a remake?
2: Oh, I don't know. I I don't think it would be as well received because the the happiness, the purity of this, I think they would try and twist it and make it darker than
1: what it is. I do believe, and I don't know what this says about society right now, but I feel like, yeah, like doing this now is going to be some in some way controversial. Right. It's going to be looked at as I mean when The Passion of the Christ came out years ago.
2: This isn't Passion of the Christ. I know, Christ but it's like I feel like but, anything but, that so has to do with my concern yeah. would be is that they would want to turn it into Passion of the Christ that right. there would be actual blood. There would be Right.
1: I mean there was there was a lot of controversy when this movie came out or this musical came out. I know, out, so. but
2: I have a I my worry would be that they wouldn't have them dressed as rainbows. They wouldn't have mm-hmm. that joy that is in this music and in this musical. I mean, I love the changes that they made for the 2011 production. I love the, like the small musical changes that they made. A lot of
1: trampolines. uh,
2: (laughs) See, I I mean, I only saw snippets of it, but um, I, the musically, I like the changes they made. So Mm -hmm. if they kept that right with that same energy and joy that was in this film that could work, but I don't trust Hollywood to do that.
1: See, I was, yeah, no, I agree. And I also thought, like, when, when NBC and Fox were doing these live musicals and stuff like that, I always thought, man, like, gospel would be a really good one. And then I remember a couple of friends of mine were like, well, they would never do that because, like, Jesus, it's too controversial. And then, like, a year later, they did Jesus Christ a superstar. Mm-hmm. So to those people that told me that poo poo that idea, you know, whatever, uh, well, I mean, in but... Jesus
2: Christ Superstar can be darker because right. it is a darker take on this. Mm-hmm. But I don't want God's Bell to be darker. I want it to stay the beautiful, happy rainbow that it is. So mm-hmm.
1: there you go. Good stuff. Um, well, that's that's gonna do it for us this week, Nicole, mm-hmm. thank you so much.
2: I'm happy to be here on our couch with you. <laughs> I mean,
1: here's this is what we're, I mean, how jealous folks are you that all we're doing basically during this quarantine is sitting and watching. Movie musicals and talking about movie musicals. Yes. that's the dream, right?
2: Come on. now. I mean, it is pretty nice. I gotta
1: tell you, it's 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 been pretty good spending some time with you and mm-hmm. watching these movies and maybe doing the turning point at some point. But yeah. uh, you know, be it being the holy season, uh, I can tell you folks that we're definitely gonna be doing Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll probably saving that one probably for the Easter weekend. But we are definitely also gonna do the Prince of Egypt. Um, oh
2: yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah,
1: so that's another one that we definitely want to make sure we're doing. Also. Um, I don't know, Easter Parade, maybe? I don't know. Like, that's a, you know... I mean, I've enjoyed that. Is that, is that too on the nose to be doing? Maybe we'll save it for next year. Uh,
2: yeah, Who knows? You can save it.
1: Who knows? Anyway, uh, folks, you can listen to this podcast yeah. and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com, where we've got actually four or five different Podcasts all firing at once. Uh, We've got the box office preview, Desperately Sinking Entertainment, Grace Aki, who's usually my other co-host on this podcast. She has her own podcast called Tell Me on a Sunday. Um, So, yeah, lots of cool things are going on there. Plus, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find podcast i'm also going to probably get us on luminary uh, at some point as well and plus be on the lookout because we've got some new stuff that's coming on down the road as well so just be alert and ready for that too but thank you again for joining us and we will see you right here next week on the movie musical shakedown
2: my arm is complete i bet you want to know why i shot the bastard you won't get
1: mad i hold a phd
0: in horribleness see you at the aftermath peace